Welcome to the Smart Play Podcast, where we help founders and creators build profitable personal brands. In this episode, I am joined by Thomas Strider, a personal branding and online business coach. During this episode, we discuss how Thomas got into coaching and personal branding. We also talk through some advice for people that are just getting started on building their personal brand how you can strategically repurpose content to maximize your awareness and how you can take serious advantage of trending topics on social media. Thomas also shares his biggest three tips on launching your personal brand online. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already done so, I'd love for you to hit subscribe on whichever streaming service you're using. Hey, Thomas, how you doing? I'm doing great, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. No, thank you. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to getting into your story today and and sort of picking your brain about what it is you do and and how you help people so excited before we dive into your background and stuff like that do you want to tell people sort of who you are i'll just start with how i help people ultimately i help people position their personal brand find their target audience find their brand voice their personality uncover their story so they can use that positioning to then develop like a very clear targeted higher end offer so they can actually build an online business that is sustainable and can scale over the course of years and not just focus on short-term profits. So that's kind of where I am now. I've been posting actively on social media for well over a year. And through that, I've obviously met awesome people like you. And so there's more benefits besides just building your business when it comes to like posting content online or building your brand, like the network and the people you meet along the way is also like so awesome, man. Yeah. And so I just... I, I always come back to just encouraging more and more people just start posting and see what happens. Don't get me wrong, come in with a strategy, <laughs> but just do the thing. Like put put yourself out there because the opportunities that come are just limitless. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like the, like you say, like the networking opportunities and just like the people that you meet alone, it's a real cool outcome of putting yourself out there on social media. Like when I started posting, I had zero intent of going self-employed zero intent of selling a service or anything like that i was literally just like playing around so that i could develop as a marketer and over the first three to six months of posting like the people that i met and like my personal real world network just doubled and tripled over a couple of months which is really cool like you don't have to have the goal of being self-employed like that's the thing too but you can love your job and you can still meet people online and then if something ever does happen to you at your current employer, you have an entire network of people that already know what you do. Yeah. <laughs> which helps you land on your feet quicker. So like the, the benefits are just outrageous and pretty much always. So I, I wanted to speak to you today and sort of get some insights into how you work with clients and how, like um, how you think about content production and stuff like that. But before we dive into that stuff, I want to take things back a little bit. And, uh, and talk about like how you got into this line of work and how you got into consulting and personal branding. And it's been a journey. So how I kind of ventured into learning business at all was nearly a decade ago now. So it started with, I worked a job like many others that was absolutely miserable, hated it. And on Thanksgiving day one year, cause I was working cause I worked in the hospital as a pharmacy technician, I basically just had an awful day. And I ended up just like crying in the stairwell, man. Like it was brutal <laughs> for oh, like wow. 10 to 15 minutes. And so after that shift, I mean, I basically went home and was like, you know, my life is worth more than working a job I hate. Ultimately our careers are very, very long. And so doing something that makes you feel that way 
like it impacts all aspects of your life, both at work and outside of work. So I basically with zero backup plan, zero savings, all that, I just quit. I was, I quit, <laughs> I put in my two week notice and I was like, okay, I, I can't do that. I basically had to figure out ways to make money very, very quickly since I had nothing yep. lined up. And so I dove into like, I basically took my hobbies and turned them into business. So number one was photography and number two was writing. And so I kind of learned sales initially, like the old fashioned way. And all I did was like, okay, well, I got to get hired. I just got to reach out to everybody I know and see what happens. And so I learned those initial steps of outreach and getting comfortable with that through necessity and not because like someone trained me. Sure. Uh, anyway, I ended up going back to corporate like a year and a half, two years later, I went into the banking industry. And so. I started out as like a middle of the road sales rep for financial sales. And okay. I just crushed that because I took all of the grit I had already learned and just yeah. took it in there. And so when you combined that training with what I had already been doing. That like I real world graphs really sort of transitions yeah. into <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, like no, it hits different. Like the only person that could come the only person that could come close to me in terms of like actual sales numbers, he was a car salesman before he worked in the bank. So like, it was yeah. also that really like grinded out calling 50 to hundred people a day at type sale. Cause ultimately getting the reps in matters more than anything else. So anyway, I did that really well. And obviously sales figures were the only thing that mattered. So I got promoted three times in the banking industry in about two and a half years. And then I ended up training other sales, like the new personal bankers and stuff like that, either how to cold call or how to approach clients that even come into like banking center locations. So that's where like the initial coaching came in. It was just like, I loved that. I loved seeing what they struggle with and just kind of helping them understand. Like when, when people have that like aha moment, like when they figure out why something wasn't working and then you show them or demonstrate to them and then they get it and then they go out and succeed. Like there's no better feeling. So that, yeah. like when I went into like a trainer, I really like viewed that more as coaching than training. And from there, it just segued straight into coaching. Like it was like a no brainer basically at that point. So. That was a long story of how I started coaching today, but ultimately that is it. I've been there. I've been in the brutal, brutal jobs that you hate, had to get away from, yeah. grind it out to where I am now. And well, at no, least it worked cool. out. It didn't feel yeah. like it would all the time, but it worked out. <laughs> no, I bet. I bet. I bet. It's a rocky journey, I'm sure. Uh, so cool. So when you like, you're working at the bank and you're coaching people and stuff like that, and you're realizing that this is like a real passion, at what point did you decide to transition like from full-time employment to you know, doing your own thing. What was it a decision? Was it, you know, what happened there? I basically ended up being like my final position outside of just training was also like consulting for small business owners as well as like some of the premier clients. So I basically had my hand in both business banking side and that consulting side as well as like the wealth side. So I kind of worked a little bit on both. And so I basically built up a, a huge network of high income business owners in my area. And so. Obviously I had good relationship with them too. So it was very easy to kind of transition for me. So sure. I basically did the exact opposite of what I did the first time where I just quit. I hated it. I basically already had a built-in network and a built-in like value proposition. Hey, like I already know your business. I already know you, you like me, you know, I do good work. Like, so I just basically transitioned let's, let's into just go from there. small business consulting. So less of the banking and more of like business operations. Like here's how we're going to actually like review your financials to, to produce 
should be more operationally clean, right? And raise sure. funds. Um, and so then that transitioned into what I do now, which is a little bit more marketing based because I realized that was one aspect of most small businesses they get terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Wasting money on social media ads, boosting posts, all the terrible marketing things you should yep. do. That's what I was uncovering. It was almost like I could tell most companies to stop their marketing spend and they would actually make more profit because all of their business was coming from word of mouth anyway. And so I was like, wow, this is terrible. But it opens up an opportunity because when it comes to the personal branding, like I had this like enlightenment moment that was like, okay, most people that care about your business and actually end up becoming your client, it's because they care about you. Yeah. So how do you get people to care about it, you it, at it's, scale? It's that people buy from your business at scale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's how that came to be. It was just a transition from, okay, I like training into coaching. And then that, so that's kind of how I got to coaching. But then noticing the patterns of like poor marketing spend and how a personal brand can like elevate your business, like to crazy new heights, like basically landed me right there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's sort of, the second part of the journey. Yeah. I love it uncovering that sort of double barrel shotgun of like organic content is a win like you don't need to be throwing loads of money at it and then also like people buy from people so if you put the two things together and start building a personal brand like you're going to be onto a win which is real cool yeah no that played out yeah, really like, nice. I, I have i have a specific i have a specific example like i liked to show for a long time and it was like i had a client that they were on average paying like $500 per social media ad, both LinkedIn and Facebook. And they were only getting like 20 clicks to their website for these ads. And so (laughs) the ads themselves were getting like three to 4,000 impressions and like 20 website visits. I was like, that's terrible. (laughs) So I mean, think about that now. Like if you have a, if you have a middle of the road audience, two, 3,000, 4,000 people on LinkedIn, you're getting 4,000 impressions per post for free. And so like, and then it just compounds and scales. And so it's just like, huh, that's free marketing. Yeah. And so I was like, I like free marketing. And so I just dove into it straight, like head first. Yeah. No, I love that. And what a great comparison. I kind of came into personal branding from the other side of things. Like I was working as a marketer on a team and we decided to dive into explore personal branding for the founders of the company that I was working for. And then same thing, like I was working on the marketing team. We were spending, I didn't work in paid media, but like we were spending like hundreds a month trying to get LinkedIn ads to work. I'm just trying to figure out like what to do with LinkedIn ads basically. And then we started doing the personal brand stuff and like their personal brands were outperforming our paid ads within a month or two. It's just crazy. (laughs) It's It's like once you see it, you can never unsee it and you never go back. It's not that paid ads like are totally trash or irrelevant and and it can't be effective and you'll scale your business much faster. But it's just like when you work, when you have both of them working simultaneously, it's nuts. (laughs) Love it. So you're going through this journey into coaching and consulting and stuff like that. You stumble across like this idea of personal branding and people buying from people. Where did you go first in terms of starting to build your own personal brand? What was the first platform you started with Ethan? So um, the first platform I actually started creating for was actually medium.com. So blocks, so long before blocks, because that's what I was more comfortable with. Because even when I first started like doing the whole freelancing and entrepreneurship thing, like it was photography, but it was also like content writing. And that was in the heyday of like, everyone was buying blogs and writers and everything. So, (laughs) and people still do, but that was like 
prime time of everyone investing in blogs. So I was comfortable writing blogs like right away. So I just started doing what wasn't comfortable was putting my name first and my face first, as opposed to just writing it and my name maybe being attached as an author or anything like that. So for me, it was big hurdle was getting over the fear of like, this is my reputation, like at scale now, not sure. just locally. So I started on Medium and I started on Medium because I knew it was like going to be a more of a safe space compared to something like LinkedIn. And I think a lot of people go through that. Like they're afraid to post on LinkedIn because their coworkers yep. will see it. Their boss might see it. So I went through that same thing. And eventually I realized like ultimately the pro is this limitless amount of opportunity. And the con is me staying stagnant and being scared to put myself out there. So yeah. you have to just push through that fear. And so then, so the second platform I went to was LinkedIn. And obviously that has worked out pretty well, at least so far. And so, but ultimately that's, that's what it was all about. It was about chasing that, that opportunity, knowing the benefits outweigh the con of staying stagnant and being afraid ultimately. Yeah. And it is a tough leap to start like putting yourself out there and putting your face out there publicly. What kind of advice do you give to people that like struggle to start putting themselves out there? So the thing that helps me is honestly kind of weird. So number one, like if you write something bad or when you start, like nobody's really reading it. And that's like a con, but also a pro because you get to practice and get comfortable with the idea without actually having any kind of widespread negative feedback coming your way. It's, it's very similar to like cold calling. Like if you're going to pick up the phone and cold call that first person you're going to cold call, you're going to be terrified. But then after you do it a hundred times or 200 times, you realize it's just a normal human on the other end of the phone. And the worst thing that's going to happen is they'll hang up on you and you move on with the day. It's the same exact thing with posting up. Like if you post something and it doesn't take off, well, then everyone just forgets about it anyway. Yeah. So that's one, one way that helps me. <laughs> the second way that helps me is there's a really awesome quote from, I believe it's Bruce Lee. And it goes something like this. It's, it goes, you know, I am not put on this earth to basically live up to your expectations of me just like you're not put on this earth to live up to my expectations of you like we all basically define our own success and what that looks like for us so when you view the world through that lens you're not trying to basically only seek validation and only try to look cool for others you're just being true to yourself and if you're true to yourself online what ends up happening is you attract other people that are very like-minded and very much the same energy and goals as you. And so that's where making friends come from. Like if you're writing online and you're staying true to yourself, then it doesn't matter if all these people that don't like it, don't like it. What matters is you're going to connect with the people that do. And those people are going to end up being really special to you. And so it ultimately it all comes back down to the opportunity that really yeah. exists there. Like the opportunity in posting online is, is so big. <laughs> that it can't be ignored if you're thinking about it. Like you just have to push into fear because it's so worth it. And it vanishes so much faster than you think it will. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I really love the, like that quote and that mentality. So just to go back to sort of your journey and stuff like that, take us through like how you got from first deciding to start posting online to now. Now it's like you're... a lifestyle basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, when I started, ultimately, anytime you attack a new platform, like there's intricacies to whatever that platform is. And so when I first started on Medium, like obviously I knew how to write, but I didn't understand like how to get my work seen. And that's always number one. Like, how do you actually get your name seen? 
you have to approach every platform that way. So Medium, it was, I had to submit to publications. So then my blogs would get actually more reach and exposed to their audience. And so it was about figuring that out and figuring out how to get my post actually accepted. And then therefore you could spread that way. And so LinkedIn is very much the same. You have to figure out like how your content is actually going to be seen. And so, and how your face is going to be seen. And early on, you'll learn that the LinkedIn feed will show comments. And so you realize, oh, well, if you're early, no one's going to see my posts, but people will see my comments either in the feed or on other creators that do get views, like your face will be seen then. And so anytime you tackle a new platform, that's your first goal. Like, how do I actually get my face and profile seen? And you do that and you double down and then you eventually shift as you grow to focusing more on the quality of your content. But square one is always, how do you get your name out there? How do you actually get steam? And usually it's not just from posting a massive amount of content at first, it's some other method. And so figuring out that method is, is square one. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So did you, for you, did it go like your first sort of main platform and build up from there? Or did you uh, 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 sort of approach multiple channels at once? So I started with Medium, obviously, and then when I went to LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is still my main channel, but mm -hmm. I would I would consider it even my main channel then. I think that it is ultimately important if you're going to tackle multiple platforms is you have to repurpose a lot. You need to have a system in place. So for me, my system now kind of works like this, where I test ideas through the new Threads app. It's very short yep. form. It's really easy to put my ideas in public. I basically view it as like a public journal and a content bank. So like if something takes off on threads, like I can go, huh, that idea, people liked it. I can bring that to LinkedIn and just expand on it. So I take the same idea from threads and then I post it on LinkedIn. And then if it does well on LinkedIn, I know that's another signal. So I can make a video out of that. I can make a blog out of that. I can make yeah. a carousel out of it. And so you just expand and expand and expand and you repurpose. The key to repurposing and being everywhere though, isn't just to copy and paste. You, just, you still need to cater your content to the platform itself. And a lot of people get that wrong. They just copy paste everything everywhere yeah. and then it doesn't work because you're not tailoring it to what the consumers of that platform want. So if people on Twitter like threads, then you can post a thread, but then if you bring it to LinkedIn, you still need to apply a new hook. You need to redesign it as a PDF. And whereas some people just take their little square images and post it and it looks just hideous. Screenshot and post it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like. That's the key with repurposing. So you need a system of ideas to expand on the ideas, but then you need to basically templatize in your own way. Use Canva templates, but your own templates yep. to then repurpose effectively and, and make your content specific to the way consumers on that platform want to actually consume. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. The, like the core message can be repurposed and like the, what you're saying can be repurposed, but you need to make it native for each platform, right? And you need to play by the rules that the audience on each platform wants you to play by. Yeah. And like, it's what I tell people all the time. Like some people are really against like trends. Mm -hmm. I'm actually totally for trends. It's just about making them relevant to your niche. Like, I yep. think if you're just going to completely ignore trends, like you're missing out on a really big opportunity. Like, even if we go back to like toward the end of last year, like carousel started really taking off on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And some people were like, they're too long. I hate consuming them. But then other people were like, I'm just going to make them. And now they're some of the biggest creators on the platform. Yeah. All because they took the same messages they already had and just put them in a new format. Yep. And it wasn't difficult 
they just saw what was happening and evolved. And so if you want to like make it as a creator and build your audience, like you have to roll with what's going on. You can't let your ego get in the way of like following what is considered like a trend of a platform. Like ultimately, like it's very obvious what consumers of a platform are wanting, whether you like it or not, doesn't matter. <laughs> and so you have to kind of swallow your ego in that sense sometimes. Yeah. And like you say, like not only are you going to get growth out of that if you do it the right way, but also like it's what the audience wants at scale. Those trends are working because, you know, the masses of people on the platform want to consume content in that way. Otherwise they wouldn't work. Um, so yeah. Kind of have to... So another way to do it too is like trends can be topics, but also like a fun way to think about it too is like if you hate a trend, just have a contrary view about the trend. So that's another way to like make it relevant to you and position yourself as an authority. Don't be like a jerk. Obviously, I'm never going to recommend being a jerk. But like I tested an idea on threads like a week ago about the Barbie movie and the marketing, because obviously yeah. we've heard so much about the marketing around the Barbie movie. Well, I said, look, I'm not actually impressed about the marketing of the Barbie movie. I think they're doing well, but I think they're overly praised. I just think what you're seeing is solid marketing with an astronomical budget. That's what yeah. you're seeing. And so I said that and they got so much attention. And it wasn't, I wasn't like following the, the regular trend of the Barbie topic. Like, oh, the marketing's great. Here's what Barbie would look like if she had Instagram. Like all the stuff we've seen ad nauseum. Like I just took the exact opposite route. I was like, okay, well, let me take this popular topic and have a contrary view and see what happens. And you'll find that like jumping on t trends in that way is just as, or even more effective. And it's still relevant to like your niche and your authority. Uh, yeah. So always be thinking about how you can utilize trends, whether that be topics or how platforms are evolving and just like put it in your content strategy. Like so important. Yeah. That's a great approach as well. I really love that. Oh, like so much that I, like, as you say, that, I was like, damn, I wish I thought of that. Yeah. It's like, you can't get away from it, but it's the only reason it's annoying or potentially annoying is because everyone says the same thing. Yeah. So all you have to do is come up with some a unique POV. If you come in with yeah. a unique POV, all of a sudden it's interesting. And that's it. Like, that's all it takes. It, it's not rocket science. <laughs> you just take what the trend is, flip it on its head. That's it. That's how I think about content every day in, day out. And you will find, like, if you go and do any amount of research on what are the top performing posts on pretty much any platform, like, they're, they're controversial points of view. And there's a difference between controversial points of view and, like, outrage culture. Obviously, outrage yeah. stuff does really, really well on social, but you'd never, when you're building your brand, you have that alignment. Like you don't want to embrace that. Like I'd never recommend being hateful, mean, anything, but no. you do have to stand tall with your beliefs. And if you don't stand tall with your beliefs and you don't stand for something and you don't put your values out there, your personal brand will always be generic and bland and middle of the road every yeah. time. Yeah. So you're operating across multiple channels, threads, Instagram, LinkedIn, and, and you take this sort of holistic strategy seems to be working very well for you good just to give three pieces of advice for somebody to start building their personal brand what would they be yeah so i do want to preface this by saying like your personal brand is not just like building an audience on social media i think a lot of people get that yeah. totally wrong like it's pr it's podcasts it's appearances it's your basically your perception anywhere it's the word of mouth like so often in our little content space, people think like I build personal brands and they're ghostwriters and like, but that's just one aspect of it. Right. So, but for the purposes of answering this question, we will talk about content portion of building your first. Oh, so on that note, 
three pieces of advice. So number one is get really comfortable putting out your values and your opinions openly early. It will not feel comfortable. And that's totally normal. When you say something that goes against the grain and you say something that is disagreeable, you will get negative comments from some time to time. Even if you're respectful, it doesn't mean other people will always be. And you have to accept that fact if you're going to want to build an audience. Because if you're putting your opinions and values out there, that's how your content's actually going to get read and that's how it's going to be interesting. But when that happens, people are going to come and say nasty stuff to you. And so if you can't handle that, then you probably should skip making content. But I believe in that you can and you should, but you do need to know that's coming your way. Because the best content, the content that actually stops people in their tracks are things that spark emotions. Strong opinions do that, but you have to be prepared right up front. So you need to come up with the right mindset. Another thing we're wanting mindsets. So number two is going to be, you have to come in with a long-term mindset. If you're going to make a business out of your personal brand, then you need to be willing to commit at least two to three years to make it happen. Because there's a massive amounts of trust that you have to earn and showcase to get to a point where you can like truly productize like your personal brand. It doesn't happen overnight. Anytime you hear someone blow up on social media or whatever, like there's probably a good reason for that. A good example is like, like my friend, Rob Lennon, like he went from zero followers to 50 K followers on Twitter in six months, yep. massive explosive growth. Right. But he has written 45 books before ever writing on Twitter. <laughs> he worked in startups as marketing. Like it's like marketing yeah. director. Like he had all this experience coming into building this audience. He already knew the game before he even started the game. Yeah. So like odds are you don't have that kind of background. And so you have to accept that you're going to learn as you go. And so again, you come in with a long-term mindset, like come in with the mindset that your career is three, four, five decades long. You have three, four, five decades long to build your personal brand. It doesn't have to happen overnight. So build a sustainable system that you can actually stick to. That's tip two, and that's probably the more important tip. Number <laughs> three, if I was going to give a third tip, life first. Life first. Like, don't put aside your health. It's really, really easy to fall into this trap of, like, commenting all day to try to expedite your growth. It's really easy to create too much. It's really easy to step away from what's really important, which is, like, the relationships, the people in your life and your health. I can't tell you, like, it's... It, it was really easy for me to like stop working out and focus on content or focus on business or sales or whatever. And ultimately, like it does not matter how fast you grow. It doesn't matter how big your business gets if you don't have the people in your life or the health to enjoy. It. And so look through it through the lens of like you're designing your lifestyle and not rapidly scaling your brand and business. So that's tip three. Yeah, I love it. And something that I don't think many people think about when you... When you drop that third tip, then a lot of that sort of hit home for me. And, and yeah, I think especially <laughs> when you're, when you're first getting started with this and like for people that are like trying to do it around a job or around like a nine to five or around selling, like it's easy to sacrifice like all of your evenings with your friends and family and easy to like, you know, end up binge eating at your desk whilst you're commenting on LinkedIn or whatever to, cause you're trying to grow something and it's just not worth it. So I love that. Yeah. But I. It's just like, I can give you so many examples of people that write good content, do all of the right things, and then, and they start actually growing and three to four months in, they just completely burn out and they have to give it. Mm -hmm. And it, it happens all the time. You've probably seen it a ton. Like when I started on LinkedIn, my five to 10 of my favorite creators, like only one or two of them are left. 
Yeah. And it's because of that reason. It's because they were going really, really hard and then just gave up. And so that comes back again to that long-term mindset. Your career is three, four, five decades. Embrace that. It's better to have 10,000 followers in three years and still be going than it is to have 10,000 followers in three months, but then totally burn out and quit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. As you said it as well, the people who are like actively following in like the first couple of months, like half of those guys aren't, aren't doing it anymore. Like, I don't know where they've gone. They're just not on social media anymore. Hopefully living life and not spending you know, all day staring at screens. But, but yeah, no, they just disappeared yeah. because they went too hard, I guess. Yeah, hopefully they hit the lottery and, you know, they're just living big. They don't need content anymore. Yeah, but that's it. Odds are that's not the case. Odds are they burnt out or just weren't enjoying it. So many people also, they get all their content ideas from. I'm giving actual content tip. Really. Mm -hmm. So many people get all their content ideas by just looking at feeds and like, basically putting their own POV or a really similar POV to some other piece of content they saw. The best content like ideas you actually get are from conversations, either with your clients or from your own stories, right? Yeah. And so, but what that does is it makes content fun because it's unique and it makes you think. Like when you challenge yourself and you make content fun, you put out sloppy looking carousels instead of these squeaky clean image ones, that makes content fun. And yeah. another way I like to showcase this is Obviously, all marketers are familiar with like brand guidelines. Here's my hot take. I think brand guidelines are BS. Oh, okay. I think brand guidelines are as more of a framework. It gives you a starting place. But when it comes to personal branding, you evolve as a person, you grow as a person yeah. and your brand should too, along with it. And so to get the personality into your actual content, like, screw the brand guidelines. Throw the stupid emoji in your content. Like, do whatever you need to do to actually make it fun. Because, yeah. again, it's better to stay in the game than to run dry and get bored. Amazing. And I think a great loss tip there. Um, before we end the podcast, is there anything that you've got going on that you would like to share with the audience? No, I just want to thank you for having me. Just kind of reintroduce myself. So, once again, my name is Thomas Schrader. I'm an online business and personal brand coach. So, I help people basically develop their high-end offers and then position their personal brand in a way that allows them to steer traffic to that offer, targeted traffic to that offer and build a business around productizing themselves. So thanks for having me again. Love talking all things content and marketing. It's always a good time. So appreciate the invite. No, amazing. Thank you for coming on.